Please stand with me at the reading of God's Word. I'm not reading the whole passage. I'll read the beginning of the passage. And then throughout our time together, I want to encourage you to keep this passage open because we're going to be walking through the whole passage and we'll be reading portions of it. But let's begin in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. You may be seated. The title of this sermon is, Says Who? Says Who? That's the question that Paul is answering when people are wondering where he got his ideas about how man can be saved. They come to him and are basically asking him, says who? I wonder if those two words are familiar to you. If you are a parent, I'm guessing they're very familiar to you. I think it's uh, the common experience of parents to watch their children go through a says-who phase. It comes right after the why phase. It's a lot of fun. So, it happens like this. No, no, son, your body actually does not need dessert after every single meal. Says-who? Or, of course it's wrong to say that you love your sister only if they give you all of their Halloween candy, says who. Says who, in our experience, typically comes from a defiant heart, the kind of heart that just questions everyone else's authority but their own. But if we're talking about eternity, and I believe we will all live forever, If we are talking about our souls, what is most precious about our life and where we will spend eternity and what that experience will be like, or if specifically in our passage, if we're talking about the message of salvation, says who is a very important question and we need to answer it. This is Paul giving the answer about whether his source for what he says is reliable or not. 
We don't know all that's going on in Galatia at the time, whether this question is coming because some people are doubting whether Paul really was sent from God, or if they're just thinking that the things that he says about Jesus and salvation, he just came up with in his own mind. But the whole passage from chapter 1, verse 11 through chapter 2, verse 14 is really answering this question, Paul, where do you get what you are saying? Says who? And I want you to understand this. Only God's revelation is reliable for man's salvation. That's what Paul is communicating in this passage. If you want to know how to be saved, the only thing that is dependable, the only thing that is trustworthy is God's revelation alone. Only God's revelation is reliable for man's salvation. Point number one is in chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. And Paul is giving the answer, well, who, who says what you are saying? And he tells us that the God-man spoke it. What Paul is revealing to us about how someone gets saved, the God-man spoke that. I want you to understand just how important this is for you and for me and for the church in Galatia. Everything is at stake. Everything is at stake. And how you answer the question, how can God accept a person? How is it that He can find anyone acceptable whenever He is so holy, whenever He is perfect, And He will only accept those who are perfect. How can it be possible that God can accept anyone? And you need to understand this as well. If you're going to listen to someone, give an answer to that. If you're going to listen to yourself, give an answer to that. Who you listen to depends on where they heard it from. I'm going to say that again. Who you listen to on the question, can God accept anyone? How can God accept anyone? Who you listen to should depend on where they heard it from. Paul is making that point in verse 11. I would have you know that the gospel that I preach is not man's gospel. There was no human who taught it to me. I didn't receive it from any person. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul's way of salvation, what we're going to see in the book of Galatians, is not some guy's interpretation. His message has come directly from not just God, but specifically the God man. And what Paul's talking about here we would refer to in theology as a theophany. I'm going to explain what that is. A theophany. God at certain times in history 
showed himself. Thea means God, or Theos means God. Phani means show. God showed himself. You can recall certain examples of this in Scripture. When Moses one day is walking in the wilderness, and there's this bush that is on fire, and yet it's not burning. And then all of a sudden, God is showing Himself to Moses and speaking to Moses. Or a little bit later in the book of Exodus, when chapter 19 says Mount Sinai, on this mountain, all of a sudden it was wrapped in smoke. Why? Because the Lord had descended on the mountain in fire, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. Well, in Acts chapter 9, we are told the story of the Son of God showing Himself as God to Paul. And it's the greatest theophany to that point in history. Listen to what it says. Now, as Paul who at this time is the kind of Paul who was in our passage in verse 14, who was advancing in Judaism, who was zealous for the traditions of the people of the Jews, who, verse uh, 13, described as persecuting to the the church of God violently, trying to destroy the church, approving the killing of Christians. At that moment in history, God shows Himself to Paul, as he approached Damascus, he's on this road and suddenly a light from heaven shines around him and Paul falls to the ground and he hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You're on your way to persecute the church. You're persecuting me. And Paul says, who are you, Lord? And then he said, I am Jesus. Whom you are persecuting. I want you to take this in. When Paul says, I didn't learn this gospel. I wasn't taught this gospel by any person. I got what I'm saying from Jesus Christ himself revealing himself in this way. You understand? Paul's going throughout his world, trying to kill and arrest everyone who's preaching Jesus. All he's saying is, what do you mean preaching Jesus? What do you mean serving Jesus? What do you mean leaving the faith of the Jews? That guy's dead. We killed him on a cross. How can you still follow him? And then a blinding light comes in his way on the road to persecute others. This revelation that Paul is referring to where he learned the gospel, it happened after a crucifixion. After the Romans killed Jesus, buried Jesus, after that, Jesus comes to Paul in a blinding light and calls Paul to preach, and changes the one who was zealous in the Jewish faith, who was persecuting and trying to destroy the church, who in verse 24, if you look there, is all of a sudden bringing glory to God because 
verse 23 says, He who was persecuting us is now preaching the Jesus that He was persecuting. In other words, Jesus died on a cross. And then He did more. Because He's no longer dead. So I ask you, if someone is able to survive crucifixion and burial in order to save sinners for God, do you think he has earned the right to say some things about how sinners get saved? This is what Paul's saying. Only God's revelation is reliable for man's salvation. When I say revelation, I'm talking about the kind that Paul's talking about here. I'm not talking about the last book in your Bibles. Revelation. It's when God uniquely acts to reveal Himself, to speak. It's He's distinguishing what He's saying from all of the ideas out there. And there are lots of ideas out there. You can go to Christian churches who carry the same book. And you will get different ideas in this town. God's revelation, not man's reflections. If you're here this morning, and you are not living a life that is completely devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to hear what God is saying, perhaps specifically to you. That you are going to hear a lot of things about God. And you're going to meet a lot of people who when they look for a church that will tell them about God, they will just look for the church that already agrees with them. Hear God say in this passage... You should not believe everything you hear. And I would, I would say to you, even if you came here without believing the Bible, without seeing that as perfect and sure and, 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 and giving you great reward, I would say even if the Bible is not your source for truth, I want you to just understand, you do have a source for truth. You have some idea that you are trusting on how you can be an acceptable person. How you can get the good life. You are acting upon things you think are true to give you what you want. And if you're not a Christian, obviously that's not God that you're listening to. And maybe you're not listening to some wise person, but you are listening to a human, even if it's just you and your thoughts. And I want to ask you, who do you think should be the expert on the question of who God will accept? It is God. This whole book will be teaching us through all of these sermons this one truth. Only faith in Christ will make you right with God. That is the 
only thing that can make you right with God is faith in, trust in, devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever God is speaking up, whenever He reveals how it is we can be right with Him, He's always and only talking to us about His Son. I want you to read this again carefully. Chapter 1, verse 15. When He, that's God, who had set me apart before I was born, not only to be saved, but who called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me in order that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. What I want you to look carefully at is how He uses the word pleased. It's very clear the great Apostle is not making some claim that God was pleased with Him. So don't get this twisted. Don't think in any way that God can accept you if you please Him. Don't think in any way that you can please a perfect and holy God when you are a sinner who is naturally rebelling against Him. That's not what He said. He says, this God is so gracious that He is pleased to reveal the saving Son to those who are currently displeasing Him. That's how Paul got the revelation of Jesus Christ. When he was displeasing Jesus Christ, God is the kind of God who is pleased to reveal Him. So let me encourage you right now to understand this. The only way that you will be found acceptable to God is by faith in His Son. It is by turning to His Son. Right now, some of you need to turn away from Not just your sin and rebellion against God, but the sinfulness of you thinking you can please God. Thinking that you can do enough to please God. You cannot do it. Christ has pleased Him. Christ lived the righteous life. Christ died on a cross because His Father told Him to. And God raised Him from the dead to save any sinner who will turn away from their good deeds and their evil deeds and trust in Christ alone. And He will do that for you right now if you will turn to Him. What we're talking about here is special revelation. We read earlier in Psalm 19 about general revelation, how the creation declares the glory of God. That we can learn general things about God. But this is special revelation. This is Paul hearing directly from God and being something being revealed to him specific to salvation. And if you want that kind of revelation, you need that kind of revelation. If you want that kind of revelation, do not expect and wait on God to give it to you the way He gave it to Paul. He won't do it. And you don't need it. You don't need to hear a voice audibly from heaven. And you are very unlikely to ever hear that voice. Understand this. After God revealed Himself to Paul, He sent Paul and the rest of the apostles. That's what apostle means. He sent them to write down what He revealed in the Bible. What that means for you and me. Only God's revelation is reliable for man's salvation. That means you better become very acquainted with this book. 
And if any of your thoughts about how God will find you acceptable, any of your thoughts about what it means, what your life means and how to find purpose in your life, if any of it conflicts in any way with what God has said in this book, then just understand what you're doing. What you are saying when you think those thoughts is that you know better than God about what God will accept. And that is arrogant and foolish and dangerous. What this message also means that the God-man spoke to Paul and to the apostles what we have in the Bible about coming to God is, is if anyone talks to you about salvation without using revelation, you should pay them no attention. None. Now I think about, it reminds me of something from, maybe I was a teenager when this, this saying came up. You, anyone know, talk to the hand? I'm not saying you need to walk around all the time and say, talk to the hand because the man ain't listening. Or, or whatever. And anytime any man opens his mouth and talks to you about salvation. Man's teaching can clarify what's here, but it must never contradict it. The moment the person talking to you contradicts what's in this book, stop listening. What God is telling you and me, what he told to the Galatians is you listen to him. And you can be safe listening only to those men who are just re-revealing what God revealed. That's what we're looking for. is just re-revealing what God has revealed. Just telling you what's in this book. Which is why we preach through whole books of the Bible. Why I'm taking time through this long passage to explain what's here. So that your soul might be safe. Only God's revelation is reliable for man's salvation. Point number two comes to us, if you look in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, Paul gives the answer. Paul, who says, says who, that your preaching is what is the actual good news? Well, he says the God-man spoke it, and the best support it. Point number two is the best supported. We see this in those first ten verses of chapter two. Paul is saying, look, I didn't get my message from any man. And he starts listing the names of particular men. In chapter nine, or chapter two, verse nine, he says, James, Cephas, or Peter, and John, these apostles who came before Paul, he refers to these best men in all the world as pillars. Or in verse 2, he calls them influential. And he's saying, the best men did not give me this gospel. Jesus did. And yet I will say this, when I did talk to the best men, they supported everything I preach. In other words, you can't find more faithful men in all the world who are preaching anything different than me. He proves that, look in verse 3, how he, he talks about how he brought Titus along with him to Jerusalem and he, and he met these pillars of the faith. 
James and Peter and John, and they did not force Titus, who was uncircumcised, to be circumcised. In other words, they say Titus has been saved by Christ. He does not need to be circumcised to to be saved. You don't have to get this right. You don't have to go back to the way that God's people were found acceptable to God in the Old Testament. Christ has done something different and better. But the second way that the apostles support Paul's message, you see in verses 7 through 10, whenever he presents his gospel to them and they recognize Paul was sent to the Gentiles just like Peter was sent to the Jews. He's from God. They support his message. And you, if you're wise, will support and believe only his message. I want to read to you just a couple of these verses in this section about what Paul experienced when he went to Jerusalem and Titus was with him in verse 4. Because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to these meetings to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery to them who would have Titus base his confidence on coming to God through a work that he did in circumcision. That's what these guys are doing. To them and everyone who preaches that your acceptance before God depends on your performance of His law. Your goodness. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment. Why? So that the truth of the Gospel might be preserved for you. Whenever I think of the greatest evils that are committed in our dark world, one of them that I think of is human trafficking. It is hard for me to fathom just how wicked and evil it is for people who try to get rich by stealing children from their families and making them slaves. And Paul is saying, if you are not careful, that will happen to you spiritually. If you believe that God can accept you into heaven, based upon any obedience that you have done, then you have started to believe a man's idea. And Paul is saying man's misunderstanding is not some small thing. Man's misunderstanding will get men in slavery, spiritually, held there until they go to hell. Do not deny the truth of the gospel. That's the phrase he gives to us in these verses. The truth of the gospel. Don't deny it. Here's the truth. This is the true gospel. God accepts sinners on the basis of His Son's obedience, not ours. 
God accepts sinners who are guilty before Him on the basis of His Son's righteousness and His Son's work on the cross and His Son's resurrection from the dead, not on your righteousness or anything you've done. That is good news and that is the truth. Believer, hear Paul say this. He wanted to preserve for you the truth of the Gospel. That you are free in Christ. That Christ has set you free. Free from depending upon you. Free from basing your relationship on God and how close it is on how well you're doing. He set you free from that. Free from worrying. If you've done enough, Christ sets you free. He's done enough. Trust Him. Do not yield for a moment to the lie that you did something to please God. And that's why He turned to you. No, God set you free from your guilt simply when you trusted in the only one who pleased Him. Amen? Only God's revelation is reliable for man's salvation. Paul said, you better listen. It's a good question. It says, says who, Paul? Because I'm really careful. I want to, I want to know where you heard it from before I listen to you. And he says, well, the God man spoke it to me and the best support it. But then third and finally, he says, and no one should stand against it. No one should stand against the gospel that I have preached. So look there in chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, maybe, maybe the most familiar passage to you in this whole book. Verse 11, but when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, Peter was. But when they came, the people from James, from Jerusalem. He drew back and separated himself, fearing, obeying, afraid of the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel... I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, that is, eat like a Gentile, and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? How can you force the Gentiles and try to make them obey the Jewish law in order to become a Christian if you don't even do that? You eat like a Gentile. He's a hypocrite. That one day when Paul noticed that Peter was having ham sandwiches with his little Gentile buddies. All of a sudden, in comes the circumcision party. That group of people who came from Jerusalem who say you can't be a Christian until you obey Moses' law or the Old Testament law, which tells us very clearly, don't associate, don't be so close and eat with Gentiles and don't eat like Gentiles. Don't eat pork with them or whatever it is they're 
they're eating at the time, Peter sees them coming and he throws his ham Sammy down, backs away from that table to try to prove to James or James's people that he's keeping the law somehow or he doesn't associate, totally forgetting the truth of the gospel. In verse 13, everyone's watching him and he's got influence because he's He's a faithful apostle who preaches the truth. And so Barnabas, even Barnabas, is no longer keeping in step with the truth of the gospel, but is led astray from the gospel. Paul won't stand for it. Only God's revelation is reliable for man's salvation. And so let me... In case you you thought my strongest words of warning were for those who don't yet know Jesus, let me let me say now to those who do. It's not just those who don't yet know Jesus who need to be careful. We all need to be careful. Because the best men are going to fail us. The best men will be hypocrites like the great Apostle Peter. And you need to hear from me, from this pulpit, the moment anyone leaves the truth of the Gospel, you should stop listening to them. At least in that moment, Peter surely is restored. We know that from the end of Paul's life, how positive he is about the Apostle Peter. But in that moment, don't listen to them. In that moment, don't follow them. And just let their failure remind you there is only one who's perfect. And God has made Him my Savior. He's the only one perfectly consistent. He's the only one whose life God wants us to count upon. Peter's problem is not his preaching here. It's that his life is not keeping in step with his preaching. And let me say for your prayers and just in the interest of Full disclosure, I know this well. When my preaching is better than my living. Paul steps up and says to Peter, says who? Who told you to act that way? Look look back in verse 5. We read this a bit ago. But verse 5, where Paul, you get the heart of him when he says, we didn't yield in submission even for a moment to those who were false brothers. He doesn't hold back even for a moment to the true apostle either. Why? Same reason, surely, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Paul is constantly concerned, not just with his own spiritual health. And that's a true Christian. He's constantly concerned with protecting others spiritually. He doesn't want anyone to be led astray. He is so offended that even Barnabas could be led astray by this. I want you to see this as a model for you. This is what it means to honor God. This is what it means to be faithful to His Word. To care about others believing in it. This is what it means to truly help people. It's to guard them from believing lies. This is why we acknowledged as a church, like we do every year, October 31st is not for us mostly Halloween, it is Reformation Day. 
It is the day 500 years ago when the entire church of Rome was opposed to this message of the gospel. And when a few men stood up and, and so that it might be preserved for us, the truth might be preserved for us, stood against them to their own cost. This is why we celebrate that. This is why we want to be a church who stands behind the truth. This is why we want to be a church who trains up faithful men. Why we want an internship that trains men to handle the word rightly, to preach the word rightly. This is why as a church we invest resources in bringing pastors in every February through the Simeon Trust Workshop to train them to preach the word faithfully. This is why we want to gather quarterly with men all over the region and encourage faithfulness in pastoral ministry. This is why I want you to pray for it. So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved, not just for you. Not just for us. This is why I want you to give resources to it. Come alongside the leaders. We can make these ministries flourish. I want you to see when Paul corrects Peter, let this set into your heart. It is not just those who are lost who need the gospel. Apostles need the gospel, and no one should be allowed to stand against it. Let me leave you with this point. No one ever, look at Peter, no one ever matures to the point of having immunity to false belief. No one matures to the point of being incapable of gospel-denying fear of man. No Christian, no pastor. And that means you should just expect every once in a while, I will not be in step. I will veer away. I will be led astray. And you should be concerned to keep in step with God's saving revelation And you should do that, including the way that Peter got it. You should invite into your life people who will oppose you face to face. People who in your life you know love God and who love you and have their Bibles open. Don't silence them. Peter needed a church. And so do you. Only God's revelation is reliable for man's salvation. God, we pray that as we go through this wonderful book that keeps reminding us that the only Savior you revealed, the only Savior you accept, is the one revealed in your Word, your Son. Help us to remember Our hearts are drawn to lies and think things are true that are false. Help us as a church to live and not just say that when it comes to our salvation, we will only rely on what you have said in your word and the son you've revealed there. We pray this for your glory and our good. Amen.